How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard puts it in front. Carlos scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Something that I noticed a little bit before because I was trying to figure out whether this was a good week for the Kings or a bad week for the Kings, they earned five out of eight possible points. Not terrible. So that's pretty good. I will take it. I mean, it always, I feel like it seems to put a little bit of a damper on it because it ended with a shutout loss. But overall, how many, did you get to see most of the games at all this week? This week has been crazy for both of us. (laughs) We've had (laughs) very interesting weeks. Uh, Once again, this is also a trend. I just seem to be sleeping before (laughs) we record podcasts, whether on your floor or just like randomly around your apartment. Yeah. Um, But I think I saw, I think I saw most all the games. Mm Mm-hmm. I watched maybe not the Jets game. I think I watched most of them as well. I don't think I watched the Jets game, but or there's Canadians, Penguins. I think I fell asleep during the Jets game. Do you <laughs> yeah. remember this? Oh yeah, because we did get to talk about that one a yeah. little bit. Okay. So we both saw part of that, but I think we did manage to catch the other games this week, even though we haven't been able to pay crazy amounts of attention to hockey outside of that. I started a new job this week, so my, all of my attention has been there. You said that your my role job changed. role changed, and so now I have like eight jobs. <laughs> so yeah, we've both been pretty preoccupied. And then on top of that, we had friends come in from out of town. <laughs> so the good thing is that we at least got to hang out with some of the Jewels from the Crown crew who came, like a lot of them live all over the country. So some, especially like the East Coast, a lot of them came out to LA. Um, and I saw them quite a bit and that was really fun. They're so just as delightful as you might imagine. Yeah. They're wonderful. We all got to experience the Luke Robitaille statue unveiling together. Some of us experienced it and were more happy about it than others. <laughs> yeah. Some of us had experiences it's, with that. It's kind of funny. I guess because we live in Los Angeles, or you at least live really close to Los yeah. Angeles, it's easy to sort of take for granted the opportunity to see the players and like people in the organization who you like Luke Robitaille works at Staples Center so you see him walking around literally all the time yeah I've seen plenty of Luke Robitaille so for me even though I still love him um it's like I'm I don't feel like I have to cram it all in in we weren't trying to like elbow people out of the way so we could take (laughs) a picture with the statue we're like when we go again to a game, we'll just yeah. Do we it get then. several fine. more at different times of day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Find the perfect lighting for the Robotai statue. <laughs> um, but the, overall, that was pretty cool. I liked. I mean, obviously it's a statue, so they did the ceremony outside. But it was really nice. I feel like the whole setup was very simple, but pretty mm-hmm. nicely done. Um, Wayne Gretzky was there. Apparently, Bruce McNall also there. I don't know if he spoke. I didn't see all of the speakers because we were eating beforehand. Yeah. Um, but him and Gretzky, I guess, were sitting next to each other, and it still continues to amuse slash fascinate me that that dude crippled the King's organization for years. And so Gretzky is just sitting, sitting yeah. right by him. Not a care in the world. People love him still. <laughs> but, you know, that's a thing, and it's always nice when Wayne Gretzky shows up and mm-hmm. um, shows a little love and support for Los Angeles. Um, and, of course, Luke Robitaille's. Fabulous as always. Uh, I loved the Luke banner outside of the state. Yeah. Center. That was, like, a... Beautiful touch. That mm-hmm. was awesome. Um, you guys probably saw it in pictures because I know I noticed it, but like outside of the Staples Center, 
whichever Kings, um, when the Kings game is on, they usually have a big banner that says Go Kings Go. And they made a custom banner that just said Luke across the top. Um, And that was pretty great. Speaking of the drawn out, like, Luke chant, I was so amused by that Cartman animation. Okay. So there are a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to the (laughs) South Park animations that the the dudes do for the Kings. But it... (laughs) This one for, like, they play the normal Penguins one, mm-hmm. uh, which is the whole, like, Respect My Authority one, but then there was additional one for, for Luke Robitaille, and just, like, it honestly, I thought that Cartman was just, like, trying to knock out, like, a, a poop, like, a real bad poop, <laughs> and was just yelling Luke at the same time, because, like, the way his face was and the way that he was, like, saying it was, like, yeah. very similar. Uh, little, little Cartman just going, but it was, like, yeah. he was straining for it, it was... A treasure. All of a sudden, I was very much back in touch with my, like, 11-year-old type of humor. Because <laughs> yeah. for some reason, that was hilarious to me. Uh, so I appreciated that little touch. We had lots of hopes for that game. So much hope. We were like, so many nice moments could happen here. Nice round moments. Um, <laughs> Trevor Lewis, mm-hmm. let's start with that one. Could have gotten his 10th goal while yeah. we were there. And to he be fair, the Kings, during the first period especially, like continued to try Gave to... Gave him all of the opportunities they could. Yeah, I believe Shang Peng from Jewels from the Crown had three scoring chances in the first period, or three like really good scoring chances for the Kings in the first period, and all of them were in some way a result of Trevor Lewis's effort. So working really hard to get that 10th goal did not happen. No. Um, the second other, the second thing we had hoped for, Tyler Toffoli, to get what would have been his 20th goal on Luke Robitaille night, whose number is 20 and retired. How nice would that have been? It would have been wonderful. Tyler Toffoli, not a great skater. Luke Robitaille, not a great skater. We're both doing very well for the Kings. Yeah. So that would have been perfect. Except it was not Tyler Toffoli's mm-hmm. night, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, Andre Kopitar <laughs> could have gotten his 50th point. Come on! Um, he- he's also been a little bit slow in the goals section, and right, I know yeah. that you want him to kind of pick it up again. Yeah, I'm ready for Andre Kopitar to just go on a goal-scoring streak of his own. He had a really good streak in the middle of the season where him and Marion Gabbert got going, and they sort of traded off goals and assists for a while, but Kopitar hasn't just had his own straight-up goal-scoring streak, and I want that. The season is starting to wind down. You have, like, a month left. Please, please, just give me a little Andre Kopitar streak. I want him to hit 20 goals. He has, what, like 13 now? Yeah. Just score seven goals. <laughs> so Please. And it's, it's Kopitar, so it's possible. Also, have you noticed, like, I think Kopitar is shooting a lot more yes. recently. Yes. And it's, it's been one of those things where his, the goals that he's, the amount of, that he's shot has been always crazy low. So when, I think we mentioned in the last one, that's when we'll support people yelling shoot yeah. when he has the puck because he really just doesn't shoot. He just dishes it out to other people to, you know, he creates plays and doesn't necessarily finish on them. Um, although the ones that he does kind of score on, obviously the number of goals that he scores is compared to how little he shoots, his shooting percentage Right, his shooting percentage <laughs> doesn't look bad, yeah. but it is like you have a really good shot. He's also really good at like a, a little bit of a bone that we pick with the Kings is that their system, it seems like a lot of times, will encourage players to shoot from the circles rather than the slot, which is not bad because if you shoot from the circles, it's still a prime scoring area, but it feels like you could also be shooting from the slot a lot more in addition to that. And I feel like lately Kopitar has really been good at and trying to get to the middle of the ice to take those shots. Although yesterday's, yesterday's game was another uh, more evidence that they don't do that very much because the number of board battles that they uh, won 
mm-hmm. was for naught because yeah. they would kind of it would squirt out into the middle of the ice to no one. Yeah, no one was there. Like the work was all for for nothing. Yeah, because they're always sort of you know prepped to win the board battle and keep the cycle going. But there's that means that you know unless it's like a play that's a pretty standard like shoot for the pads to get the rebound kind of thing, there might not necessarily be a king's player there ready to take the shot. Or if there is somebody there, they're right up against the net. So like plenty of instances of like someone like Trevor Lewis being right on the doorstep but the skate is in his feet because he's so close yeah so they can't actually get it into the net so that was the other thing we hoped for was for Kopitar to maybe score I feel like there was one other person that we wanted to score oh Nick Shore oh well Nick Shore was still waiting (laughs) for him to score his first NHL goal and he had a a couple of really good opportunities Mm -hmm. yesterday and uh I mean Marc-Andre Fleury still a good goaltender not yeah he's having a good season he's having a good season so um, a bummer there for Nick Shore. But none of these things happened. No. Not, we had a lot of hopes. Spread it all out. Yeah. None of them happened because the Kings were not able to score a single goal uh, except for a disallowed goal because of... Because of Dustin, Dustin Brown's, Brown's booty. Big butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting all up in the place. Jake Muzzin seemed to score a goal, but actually Dustin Brown's booty is why that goal was scored, and so it did not count. Everyone cheered. I was, like, scooting up, did not pay attention to any of the refs, Heard the goal horn go off once. Yeah. And then stop. And, and I was like... paused. Oh, no. So we got to hear the goal horn. And we got to hear people cheering. And then everyone kind of like kind of like caught up to yeah. what was going on. And then it got quieter. No. Not yeah. happening. Unfortunate for that. Um, they also seemed to take a lot of penalties in that game. Matt Green took two in the first period. Yeah. Matt Green was on level 10 and he <laughs> needed to break it down. Luckily, he did as the game went on, but he started way too hype. But then other people took a bunch of penalties as well. And credit to the Kings, though, in that game is they had a really pretty great penalty kill for the most part. Um, Power play still trash. The power play was not as effective. I think their first one, though, they actually had really good cycling or whatever, but the other ones were kind of messy. Special teams, not the highlight of the night, because at least the Penguins also did not score in regulation. I think a good note that I didn't see till after the game was apparently since February 1st, the Kings and the Penguins are 1-2 and two in um, Fenwick 4. Really, really great puck possession teams, and it did seem like the whole night both teams were kind of battling for the ice when they were good, when they were sloppy. It was really a tough game in that way. So it felt like watching a very good hockey game, but it wasn't the most exciting hockey game at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't terribly boring either because Mm -hmm. things were happening. It was a bit aggravating just because they are both such good puck possession teams to see kind of like the work in the neutral zone, like on both ends. Uh, it just being very sloppy, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just because they're both very good yeah. at trying to get the puck there, so um, it made that kind of exhausting. There was just a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. um, without any setting up goals or like scoring chances or anything like that. I think for me, what it also kind of highlighted was, I think there's still sort of the perception that the Kings and the Penguins are very different style teams, but I don't think they really are. Um, especially because now the Penguins have Mike Johnston as a coach who spent some time as an assistant coach for the Kings years ago and is a defensive-minded coach. Both teams, I think the Penguins, people assume they're not a very defensive team, but they, I think, have much stronger, or seemingly much more stronger defensive systems. And their possession, they've also, like, 
you know, moved players in and out to try to figure out that depth a little bit to get guys who can at least be in the offensive zone um, more, so it's not just the Crosby line or the Malkin line. On the flip side, I think the Kings are known as a physical heavy team Mm -hmm. and even though people know their possession team don't really think of them as a as having like offensive finesse or anything like that but I think that game really showed that both teams can generate really great chances on that and also both teams can really clean it up in their own zone there were periods of the game where the Kings could not break into the Penguin zone on the flip side there were plenty periods of the game where even though technically the Penguins and the Kings were trading shot attempts. Like, the Kings had more shots on goal than the Penguins. Right, like, like right. doubled the shots on goal because the Kings managed to keep them to outside chances and stuff like that. So I think it was really good to see that, no, actually, these two teams match up way Pretty more well. than you would think they do. Yeah. It was just, it, it was really unfortunate because I think overall the Kings kind of were the better yeah. of the two in uh, in all of the respects, for mm. the most part, whether they edged them out by a lot or by a little, I still think that the Kings were better this game around. But it was just that, just that one play, the, the one, the one play, the one pass, <laughs> the one like giveaway, and uh, the, the one goal. Yeah. <laughs> so that play was it. It was you could you could watch that. We were all watching that happen. We're like, that's the end of it. Yeah. You, it was definitely like as soon as that pass happened, I was like, this he, is the end of the game. <laughs> Jeff Carter passed that, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, literally out loud as we were watching, and then I think you were just like, ah. And, like, we both had our, like, hands out trying to stop, physically stop them from doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I'm sure, hope against hope, we were trying to be like, okay, no, they've got this. It's okay. You know, they'll get it out of this. No, they're no. not going to. So it ended exactly like we had expected. Yeah, and people want to fault Jeff Carter for making that pass, which you can. Like, he might have been able to hold on to it a little longer and maybe chip it up the boards or something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was not actually the worst pass that you could make because Tyler Toffoli gets the pass. Like, if you watch the play again, he gets the pass, but he doesn't. It's not like a one touch and then yeah. to the next person who brings it out of the zone. He waits a second and unfortunately, Unfortunately, Paul Martin, who is a very good defenseman, gets the stick in the right place, ties Toffoli up. To Toffoli's credit, he tries to make a diving play to block Hornquist's shot. But unfortunately, young dude got beat. (laughs) So it happens. It looked bad, but... It happened to be an overtime. Like, right, It could have yeah. happened in, like, the second period. Right. It would have been okay. You but, could come back from that. Uh, yeah, it just happened to be an overtime. And he, you could tell he took it hard because he just... Laid on the ice. <laughs> I'd like, for the record, if anyone has seen the recap already, um, and the fact that there are four gifts of Tyler Toffoli laying on the ground, that is not my fault. I would rather not see that again. That is 100% Chanel. She revels in this. Um, and sat here early this morning making these gifts while I was still asleep. Yeah, I woke up earlier than I thought I was going to, and I actually knew before I went to sleep last night, I was just too tired to do it, that I was going to look for every angle of that, and... She had a plan, and she did this, and then unleashed it on all of us. Here's the thing. I am the kind of person... I like high-risk, high-reward players. Like, Jonathan Quick, my favorite king, now rivaled maybe by people like Jake Muzzin and Tyler Toffoli. But, like, a couple years ago, that 2012 run, Jonathan Quick was one of my favorite players. I feel like, whenever I say this, Kopitar is sort of in his own bubble. Like, Kopitar (laughs) is the prince of Los Angeles in my mind, so you can't, like, when I say someone is my favorite player, it's like, but also Kopitar is the best thing that's ever happened. Regardless of who your favorite player is, (laughs) there's also Kopitar. It comes with Kopitar. Just to be clear, um, 
Yeah, so like Jonathan Quick, high risk, high reward player. Sometimes he's amazing. Sometimes he does things that you're, including like last night's game, they could have lost it in regulation in the dying seconds because he completely messed up uh, trying to handle the puck behind his own net. <laughs> he whiffed on a few of them too, oh, like during the game. Good. <laughs> so. I try to, as best as I can, celebrate the moments that are amazing, but also wallow in the moments that are bad and, like, kind of like, you know, a dog and you want to rub your face in it. Just, like, look at what happened. (laughs) Live in what you've done (laughs) kind of thing. So sometimes you got to make four gifts with Tyler Toffoli creating a turnover and lying down on the ice. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. You got to learn. Learn the hard way. It's tough love. Yeah. Um, but I he, I think other than that, him, Jeff Carter, like that line in that game was amazing. So even though the optics of that moment were terrible, they were really great in that game. They were, Sidney Crosby played, I mean, he's great, but Sidney Crosby played really well last night. And I think maybe with the exception of when that line was on the ice. Right. So good job to them. It's unfortunate that they, you know, were part of that moment that ended up losing the Kings the game. At the same time... Jonathan Quick was very strong. They made it to regulation without allowing any goals at all. Impressive. The Penguins didn't even have a goal that was called back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so great effort by the Kings. And I think an actually okay way to sort of cap off this week where they've had moments of being really good and really bad. And this was just a moment of them being pretty darn good, mm-hmm. but with uh, you know unsatisfying end result. Yeah. And we didn't have to see the shootout, so that's always a plus. And to stay with that, actually, and sort of harp on the positives, like you already, like you mentioned that Kobitar has 49 points, could have gotten 50 if maybe they had scored anything. Right. But something else to note is Kobitar, not actually the points leader, that is Jeff Carter, with 50 points. Yes. And 22 goals he has. Um, Tyler Toffoli, already at 40 points. So, and up still just the one away from possibly hitting 20. Mm-hmm. Um so those two players still doing big things for the Kings this yeah. season. But then once again, you know, things are, are winding down a little bit in terms of the, the Kings are still... So the Kings record right now is 31-21-13, which is good for 75 points. Um, but other teams are still winning, so mm-hmm. the Kings are still out of the playoff picture. And, you know, it's winding down in terms of how many games are left. Yeah, I... I think it is worth noting that they are only one point back of Calgary, and um, they are three points back of Winnipeg, four points back of, Mi- of Minnesota, who both occupy wild card spots. So it's an interesting time this season because it's winding down, but it is like at that place where if any of those teams right ahead of them start losing and the Kings win a few more, they could easily you know, creep into the playoffs. And, it's it's and not a dire fine. situation. Yeah. By any means. It's, it's like not even as bad as it was like a month ago. <laughs> right. And speaking of, um, just in case people haven't seen this quote, um, I want to say that, so the Kings are not in the playoff picture mm-hmm. and people are saying, you know, these next games must win games. <laughs> Daryl Sutter begs to differ. <laughs> On whether all remaining games are quote unquote must wins, there is no must anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Just try and win. There's no such thing as a must win. Nobody gets locked up or thrown in the ocean or anything. I'm not into that. It's just a game. I'm not into that. I'm not into that. No one's getting thrown into the ocean. What is that quote from? Yeah, so that quote came after um, their shootout win um, against the Canadians. Uh, so it seems like Daryl Sutter is fine with what's happening. Uh, yeah. 
I really just like the the add-on of, I'm not into that. Um, he's not into throwing people in the ocean for not winning games. <laughs> so glad to have this official stance from Daryl Sutter. I was going to talk about throwing people in the ocean. Reminds me of that part in Harry Potter where Neville Longbottom says, yeah, one of my like uncles tried to throw me off of a pier <laughs> to get my magical abilities to kick in and I almost drowned. Well, Daryl Sutter's not into Darryl that. Daryl Sutter's not that uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not into that. He would disagree. It reminds me of, and this was only actually from February, where they asked, and it was right before the Kings went on their winning streak, they asked, like, it, are the Kings just not desperate enough? Is, is it desperation time? And he said... Um, you got to be careful in pro sports. Desperation is usually when guys slit their own throats. We would prefer not to do that. I've never been associated with a team that does that. We're not saving a country or saving a life. We're playing a game. I don't know what desperation has to do with the hockey game. Okay, so now that you're saying that, I'm thinking of a different quote where he does some <laughs> other crazy analogies. Like, I'm not into that. It's just a game. We don't do that. And we're like, we get, I mean... Daryl Sutter is 100% like the real talk friend. Like, yeah. real talk? This is a game. Right. I know we all want to win this cup, but let's, <laughs> Calm let's, down. let's take it back a notch. <laughs> yeah. Which is phenomenal. I love it so much. And I love that he's consistent about it. Yes. Like, chill out, all right? They're not must win. They're not desperation games. If they lose, maybe some guys will leave. But the team is going to play again next season, right? Yeah. Chill. <laughs> chill. No need to cry about it. <laughs> So, uh, thanks, Daryl Center, for reminding everybody that when we want to go to 10, bring it back to 2. <laughs> Please. Some positive news, though, in terms of hopefully being able to eventually stabilize the lineup a little more, is Tanner Pearson and Alec, well, not anytime soon, but Tanner Pearson and Alec Martinez skated a little bit. For Tanner Pearson, it actually wasn't his first time back on the ice. He skated a little bit last week to sort of test how the skates felt on his foot. But this is from LA Kings Insider, who... So it was just a light skate. They um, did a little bit of work after the Kings took their team photo for the season. I didn't realize until looking at this that both of those players had been out for so long at this point. Like, Tanner Pearson has been out since January 10th, so it's been eight weeks. Alec Martinez apparently has already been out for a month. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it seems like it's been so long. Or, like, it doesn't seem like it's been long at all that they've been out, but also I'm kind of used to the fact that they're yeah. not in the lineup. So it's a weird, like, juxtaposition of feeling. Yeah. It kind of, of time. was how I felt a couple seasons ago when... Willie Mitchell and Matt Green were both out. Like, Matt Green had played in, like, the first game of the season, got injured, and was out until at some point in the playoff run. Mm -hmm. um, and Willie Mitchell was out for the entirety of that year. So it's, like, kind of that feeling where it's like, oh, yeah, they're still part of the team, but they're not there. They haven't so played, yeah. You, they're just not part of your mind in the same way. But I am glad that they seem to be making progress. Was sort of amused by the idea that Alec Martinez has to pass two days two consecutive days of a hard stationary bike test in order to prove that he can get it into practice in any it way. It seems like such a funny way to, like, judge whether or not you're coming back. Like, I, I understand, like, what it's supposed to represent. Yeah. But instead of being like, oh, he's got a broken whatever, he's out for, you mm -hmm. know, ten weeks. It's like, oh, he has a concussion, he'll be out uh, four weeks, plus a... Like, yeah. Plus a hard bicycle test. <laughs> we have to see if he can ride this bike really hard and whether or not he gets dizzy and throws up. If no, 
he can practice. Yeah, that's like the the actual injury report that they released to everyone. <laughs> so hopefully coming back, obviously sooner than Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson, I guess, is still in some pain and has swelling and stuff. So he will not be back anytime soon. But things seem to be progressing nicely, which is good. Um, in the meantime, I think the Kings are still a very good team. Like, I agree with the fact that you saying that even though they were close to the Penguins, like, they still had the edge. Yeah. I think for, like, the game against the Canadians, the Kings were clearly the better team, even though they took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second and third. They're, I mean, they crushed Edmonton like they should have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, they're good. They're a great team. Um, also, Dom, whose last name I am forgetting, but he... Um, is a Leafs fan and an analytics-oriented person, and so he's basically been tracking sort of the best and worst teams in, in terms of, like, playoff positioning and whatnot. If the Kings don't make the playoffs, they will apparently be the best on-ice team to miss the playoffs in this era. So, uh... So don't miss the playoffs. So don't. Because that's not a statistic that you want to... <laughs> right, you don't want to own that. And Calgary would be the worst. So what I will say is that for this last stretch of games... Even though it's frustrating every time Calgary wins, there is still always a possibility that things could right themselves and Calgary could finally lose enough to give up a spot to right. the Kings. I need Calgary to show their true colors. Please! I mean, not that I obviously wish ill on any of the players, but with the lack of uh, Mark Giordano, yeah. that's going to severely sort of hinder the, the Flames' chance to kind of, like, maintain at the level that they have been because he's been far and away, like, their best player. Right, so yeah. Maybe they'll be able to keep it, keep it together, but I'm not sure. Um, obviously, I'm not glad that he's injured. Just, I will take my advantages where I can. Right, yeah. <laughs> we, we need everything, since apparently they're... You know, they have, like, horseshoes stuffed up all of their asses. Yes. <laughs> like, is this what Central Division, like, fans felt when Colorado kept winning for no reason? Yes, probably. I hate it. Please make it stop. In the meantime, something that I wish is not a luck-based thing, is a fact-based thing and continues to make me upset. It's not even just Rob Regeer, because we know he is bad. <laughs> it is how bad Jarrett Stoll is. And he was someone that I did notice that game, particularly when he and Robin Regeer were on the ice at the same time. How bad times. unfortunate they are. <laughs> Please stop doing this to the King's third line. I like Jared Stoll. He seems like a very nice person. He seems like someone who really enjoys Los Angeles and, you know, is involved in the community. He gives, he tries very hard on the ice, but he's not good <laughs> anymore. Anymore, yeah. He's not good. He is still good defensively. I will give him that. He wins face-offs. That's not enough. When you have Dustin Brown and Justin Williams, who are both... Like, they're not scoring at the rate they were when they were really young players, but they're still very decent players. Dustin Brown shoots a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Justin Williams shoots a lot, still a great possession driver, and they're not producing points very much as a line, or at least not where they could be. Maybe look at your center and see that he's bad. <laughs> And does not make great plays. Whereas how Jarrett Stoll has at least redeeming qualities in that he's fairly defensively sound and great at face-offs, face Robin Regeer... He has none. It's just not good. <laughs> he's just really bad. <laughs> oh, uh, he seems so nice, but he is not good at hockey. Alec Martinez, we need you. <laughs> Please come back. You ride that bike. Ride that bike hard. If everybody can see it, why isn't it being addressed? <laughs> I don't understand. There's something in that locker room, there's something that they, I don't know, are thinking, whatever, that we just don't see, and it's very frustrating. 
I do. I, as noted Robin Revere lover, <laughs> am acknowledging that he's not a good player and should not be like on the top line with yeah. Two Daddy. Yeah, yeah, it's just he's not a top pairing guy. He's not a top four guy. He's barely a bottom pairing defenseman. It's real bad. I would really like to see Nick Shore actually on the third line because he has been. Really fun to watch so far. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you got to see him live? Was yeah, it is the first time I got to see him what live. What do you think of watching Nick Shore? Excellent. He's very speedy. Mm-hmm. He works well with uh, Clifford and Nolan, though. He's very I will say, just because they're all pretty scrappy yeah. um, in terms of getting things done there. So like that wasn't bad, but it would be interesting to see him with more skilled players so that he can... Obviously, he has a lot of like hockey finesse mm-hmm. that he just hasn't really gotten a chance to use. Um, it'd be interesting to see that. Yeah, he's he's a very resourceful player on the ice. I think there were quite a few plays where I would see him, like, I would see him go um, recover a puck, kind of, you know, by pushing somebody out of the way or something, and you would think kind of, oh, man, he lost it, and he would get it back. Mm-hmm. He's just very resourceful and never gives up on a play, and it works out really well for, like, w- even on the fourth line. So I'm like, if you can make that happen on the fourth line, and to their credit, Clifford and even Nolan and, like, Lewis, they're all very good um, defensive players and whatnot, so they're not finishers, though. So um, Nick Shore has been great with them. I would put them with Dustin Brown and Justin Williams, who are proven, like, great role-playing finishing guys. I think it's, like, people want to criticize, like, Dustin Brown and whatnot, and that's fi- fine, and they talk about how maybe Justin Williams has taken a step back. Sure, have those arguments, but I also think it's important to consider that when those two players were playing with Andre Kopitar, like that line for like three or four seasons was the most consistent possession line in the entire NHL and produced pretty well for not being, you know, for being a star center with two not like superstar wingers. Mm -hmm. So, and now they have had this drop off, like that's because Jared still sucks. So if you put someone on there, on that line, and have, like, a playmaking 3C, and I think Nick Shore shows some decent promise, maybe you get some more production out of that line than you are right now, at least. And maybe it's too late in the season for, like, Daryl Sutter and the rest of the coaching staff to want to chance that. But I think it's worth it for the future. I would chance it now, just because you know, I'm riskier than other people. I was gonna say, the Kings are too conservative. They're conservative in many of their... Of their like playmaking ways, yeah. So they're not gonna at the last like twenty games of the season make that drastic of a change, mm-hmm. especially since Jared Stoll has been playing with the team for uh, for like a while now, you <laughs> yeah. know. And so everyone's kind of like used to their roles. They're not gonna switch it up, right? Yeah. Now, unfortunately, yeah. I would try it out now. I understand if the Kings don't because it's not in their nature, but I do think Nick Shore would probably be a better option there. And then the fourth line. I mean, you know, rotate guys like you have been. Put Jared Stoll on the friggin' fourth line <laughs> if you need to. That's fine. That's what I would do because I think Nick Shore has a lot of promise and Jared Stoll is uh, done. He's done. And we know Nick Shore has a lot of promise because we saw a guy wearing a Nick Shore jersey yesterday. Heck yeah, number one <laughs> Nick Shore fan in LA last <laughs> night. <laughs> Except the other members of Jules from the Crown who were there with us also saw a guy in a Nick Shore jersey and were like, oh, that's awesome. And then we kind of realized that. That was the same guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the same person. <laughs> One Nick Shore super fan, he represented and made sure that he was seen. So props to that guy. And if it works out, Nick Shore sticks around for a while, he will feel like he has so much cred. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is like when I saw those people that were standing in front of me for the for public transit uh, at the Stadium Series game, both wearing McNabb jerseys. Oh. And I was like, they have to be related. <laughs> those, those are some uncles. Like, yeah. I can't Especially imagine. when you see a couple of them together. Yeah. It's like, come on. There's something else. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, I think one time when Regeer was still fairly new, we saw a few people, like a cluster, like a family wearing yeah. Regeer things. Yeah. We were like, you must be friends. Yeah. You're related. Friends are related, something of There the has to be an explanation yeah. for this. Um, I would love for that guy in the Nick Shore jersey to get to celebrate because he was right about how useful Nick Shore is going to be to the Kings. I hope that happens. As compared to like a person who bought like a linen babe jersey. Yeah, who unfortunately <laughs> very short lived time. Yes. Um, but you know, whatever. You take those risks. <laughs> um, 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 I think that's most of it for stuff that the Kings did this week. However, I did want to at least mention that crazy game this week in Florida with the Panthers. Okay, that was insane because this was... Okay, so the the game in Florida was simultaneously going on when the Kings were playing the Oilers, and I was only sort of half-watching the Oilers, but mostly watching the goalie nightmare that was going on. I assume everyone's heard about it, but if you haven't, uh, Luongo gets injured. Early in the game, so that's fine. That's what your backup goalie is for. And in comes Al Montoya. Mm -hmm. Al Montoya pulls a groin. um, And Luongo is already, like, showered. He's, like, in his suit. I read that at some point he went to the hospital or something like that. And then when he got to get checked out. And I don't know if they called him back or it was, like, you're okay enough so that he so, went back. Well, I, I heard that he, like, came back and asked, is there something that I can do? Yeah. Because Montoya was really... Like hurting out there. Like obviously, if, if a goalie gets hurt, if you don't feel one hundred percent, that's what your backup is for. Get out of there. Don't mm-hmm. strain yourself. It's okay. But Montoya obviously had way more of a, a serious injury than mm-hmm. Luongo did. So Luongo ended up suiting back up and getting right back out there. Um, but at one point, there was um, one of the Panthers forwards was in like yeah. some goalie gear, being like, I, I guess it's me. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Talis, mm-hmm. their goaltending coach, was also. Um, on the line to yeah. play goalie. Who had apparently not played NHL hockey since 2000 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So that was crazy, but, and the reason why I bring it up, other than the craziness of having or making players play even when they're injured and whatnot, is because that then, of course, sparked questions for all. Pretty much every, like, beat reporter then asked um, members of the teams that they cover in other markets, if this happened to your team, what would right. what would be the protocol or whatever? So a lot of people, there was a lot of traction out of actually Sidney Crosby talking about he plays goalie and road hockey and whatnot, and he would love to get the nod as like the forward of the team. It would never happen because he's Sidney Crosby. Yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> no, they're not going to need a goalie that bad. They're going to put Sidney yeah. Crosby in goal. That would never they happen. They would rather put like a piece of paper like up there. But I did find it interesting that when Kings players were asked about this, the the old utility knife uh, for the Kings, Trevor Lewis, Trevor Lewis, talked about how he apparently also in road hockey games sometimes plays goaltender. I, I love that he is that like versatile of a player. Like obviously he's a forward. He's yeah. Currently top line Trevor. Yeah. Um, but the I, team said that if they had to take a forward and make him a defenseman, it would be Trevor, Trevor Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> um, he would be goalie. He is the unsung hero for like how many years running for the Kings now? So many guys. <laughs> Hop on! The bandwagon's running. Like, let's yeah. go. It's pretty full right now, but you know what? Get on the roof, hang off the back. 
Grab onto a bumper. Yeah. It's all good. We're going all in. We're hoping for 10 goals. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, this is also why I'm very disappointed because I am going to uh, fulfill this, the thing that I said where if he scores 10 goals, I'm going to bake cupcakes <laughs> yeah. and make a banner and gonna have, we're going to have a party. Yeah. It would have been nice this time because we're already here together. I know. We hoped so hard to see um, Kevin Lewis score his death goal. And then I would have just gone all out and be like, <laughs> yeah. cupcakes for everyone. Like, we would have gotten out drinking for this purpose. Yeah. Like, Big the whole night. Deal. But. So we have to wait a little while on that. But I did at least enjoy this week the tidbit about him also apparently playing goal. Um, especially because after last season, there was that great moment in the first game that the Kings played where he saved a goal. Saved a goal. Very nice. Got himself right in front of there. I guess if Daryl Sutter gets sick. Forget yeah. the assistant coaches. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> so you know he just does it all that Trevor Lewis. Um, what a treat! Uh, and but apparently though it would not it would pro- likely not be a forward who was tapped for the Kings. Everybody was like it'll probably be Bill Ranford. Yeah. Um, and the player said that that was really interesting because he still plays the old stand up style, and they're all not used to that because Jonathan Quick plays as low as possible. Yeah. So they would have, you know, shooting on the Kings for any team, the scouting would suddenly have to be changed very quickly. Because yeah. now you don't want to go up top. You want to try to get down low. Yeah. Um, and they asked Ranford about it and um, about also quick, because at the time he had had, the Kings had given up the five goals to Winnipeg and then it only gave up two to Edmonton. So um, Ranford talked about quick's game or whatever. And I found it interesting that... Um, he said that he rarely, maybe twice in the years that they've worked together, has ever had to talk to Jonathan Quick about players or anything getting under his skin, which I thought was interesting because it seems like Jonathan Quick freaks out about so much all the time. Everything. Like, maybe it's just for show. He <laughs> yeah. just loves throwing a tantrum, but then, like, forgets about it two seconds later. Right, and I'm like, yeah. oh, whatever. I just wanted to, you know, break my hockey stick on this, uh, on this <laughs> right. goalpost. I'm over it now. I'm done now. <laughs> Yeah. Just needed to break something, it's gone. Yeah. I'm dealt with it. Which makes me wonder, like, you know, then is it kind of a bummer when other people come to his rescue? <laughs> He's like, yeah. let me vent. <laughs> and then... I needed this. Stop. Yeah, I'll take care of myself. Then we'll move on. So I thought that was kind of fun that apparently it doesn't affect him very much. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I think that was pretty much all of the interesting stuff for, for the Kings. John Rosen wrote a piece about cup continuity and keeping the core together, but the players said what you would expect them to say, which, you know, if you want to keep the core together, you have to continue to win. And that is the state that they're in, once again, putting themselves in a position where they have to win games. (laughs) I don't, I feel like that locker room dynamic must be so exhausting, though. Like, as a team. Aren't yeah. you tired of putting yourself in a position where you have to Wouldn't win? Wouldn't it be fun to, like, be high-fiving all the time? And <laughs> yeah. then just, like, being, like, essentially, like, the Preds. Like, well, right now the Preds are on, like, a six-game losing streak. But it's okay. Because they've got such a cushion. They've got such a cushion. Like, right now, the Ducks, if they were to go on some, like, weird losing streak, who cares? Yeah. They are They'll far be and away the best team <laughs> right now. So it doesn't matter. Doesn't that sound nice, King? <laughs> right. Just have, like, a whole lot of winning and happiness and then... Have a slump or two and be like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. We're in a good position instead yeah. of having to, like, fight and claw your way up. I don't know. Yeah. And that's how the Kings and I are different. <laughs> because I love being a winner and rubbing it in everybody's faces all the time. Like, I think, you know, I'm not a Blackhawks fan, but I feel like that shortened season where all they did was win most of their games and then, like, all crushed nearly everyone on the way to the Stanley Cup must have been super fun to watch as a fan. Yeah. 
probably felt good to play as well, but apparently not if you're the Los Angeles Kings. You gotta lose a bunch and then make sure you have to win a lot of games late and then do it and then you feel satisfied. And then that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you don't feel like you earned it, I guess. Why? <laughs> I don't know. They're so good and so frustrating and dramatic. So dramatic. But when it's good, it's really good. It so can't complain too much. But we can but, but, we, but, but obviously we can, because we do it every week. Because we're doing week. it right now. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so that's pretty much what we have. Any any other thoughts from you before we wrap? Up? No, I would just like the Kings to continue to play the way that they're playing. They, mm-hmm. you know, did lose a couple of times, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. They are still looking fantastic, just sometimes it's not your night um, against this particular team. It's just not for you, but the Kings are all right, mm-hmm. so... Um, hoping that they continue to play well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martinez comes back and helps us, <laughs> saves us. Uh, and yeah, Kings, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, oh, actually, before we go, because we didn't get to talk about it last week, that Players Tribune piece about Pascal Dupuis. Holy mackerel. That piece was so intense. That was like super intense to me. The fact that, one, he didn't tell anyone yeah. what was going on. I was surprised he didn't even tell his family. Yeah, that they were in the dark the entire time. And everyone knows that players will play through the pain and you know suck it up mm-hmm. essentially but to that extent like li- listed that explicitly as to like what was wrong with him like what do you say like a third of his, like part of his lung was just like done oh that how so that's that's terrible mm-hmm. and i guess you do have that moment sort of the way that the article sets it up too where you're like all right i'm sitting in the hospital park- parking lot with underwear in my pocket so here we go yeah. This is my life. <laughs> Pretty scary, and I hope he eventually does get to come back to the game. Mm-hmm. I guess you never really know with something like blood clot- clots, because... is that what happened with Thomas Volkun? Like, he yeah. had a blood clot and has now retired? Right. Um, so you, I guess you just never really know. So I hope that Pascal Dupuis is able to come back and play a little bit more. He clearly wants to, so... And obviously that speaks to the, like... The kind of unfortunate thing, like this is this is where you take a Daryl Sutter approach of this. It's just a game. Mm-hmm. Like I know that this is your world, like you're living, and this is what you've always done. But especially when you have a family, like take care of yourself. Yeah, that's the uh, way you got to think of that. More. You have to not like be smart as to like I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. Like I want to help my team, but at what cost? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. one thing thing to be like. My leg hurts. I'm gonna keep playing. It's okay. But one thing to another thing to know, like I am falling apart at the seams right now. Right. Maybe I shouldn't hide this for five games. Yeah. So yeah, um, I I did though like sort of the honesty in the way that like keeping it to yourself for five games. He was basically saying that he just didn't want to admit to himself that something might be wrong again. Like right. like the acknowledgement of not just the sort of pride or like the weird ingrained mentality of play through it but like the fear inherent Mm and i just don't actually want to know um and how i was talking about this with someone else like how many times do we in general like as people do that like i would rather not take my car to the shop to know exactly what that rattling is i'll just keep on trekking on or like uh my leg is real tingly but Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna go to the doctor because i don't want to hear that it's something terrible I, and now it needs it to be amputated. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so you just don't deal with it. <laughs> Very drastic. So I did find um, that part at least really fascinating and refreshing that there is also still very much that human element. It's not just guys trying to be warriors. There is sort of that 
aspect of fear. Like, I just don't want to hear that I can't play. Yeah, um, it's like, it was a very, like, vulnerable sort of piece, which was very, I've been really liking these, these mm-hmm. Player Tribune. Yeah, they've been doing a good job. I appreciated it. And also, um, something like that makes me appreciate the Kings not rushing someone like Tanner Pearson, who has, you know, up until he went out, been a really key part of their offense this season and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even with Alec Martinez, who has really earned a spot as a steady Kings defenseman, don't rush him. <laughs> yeah. The Kings are, you're good enough to make it work for the most part. Rely on your other guys, rely on your system, let those people heal up um, and remind the players, because of course they're going to get impatient too, but remind them, dude. <laughs> and it's it's kind of crazy because I was also re-watching parts of the, the Stanley Cup moments and Dean Lombardi was talking about how beat up the Kings were and just like, he's like, yes, some of them had to have like some major surgery afterwards. And I'm like, no, like... I get I get that it's the playoffs, and that's mm-hmm. one thing. There's a lot riding on it in terms of, like, what you've been working for this entire year. So, like, that injury that you had in October is worth it. Like, you know, playing through that flu in January was mm-hmm. worth it. Like, this horrible pain. But it's just so kind of terrifying and frustrating to hear about, like, these people just being taped together to, yeah. to play this game. Yeah. The playoffs, it seems like all rules are thrown out the window in terms of health consciousness for players and and management and whatnot. Do you know what I'm thinking of? That scene in Serenity where uh, Zoe gets her back like slashed up by the reaver and she's like, just patch me up and they do like a little foam bandage. (laughs) And she's like, I'm good. And I'm like, your spine is like open right now. You are not good. Please. That's not great at all. You're (laughs) okay. Please stop this. I imagine that is exactly (laughs) what like the the quiet rooms and stuff. That's what it looks like during the playoffs. Well, like they talk about like freezing people's wounds and stuff and just, I don't, as long as I can't feel it for the next three hours, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's horrible to me. I know. I have too bad of a sinus headache or something and I'm like, I need to lie down in the dark and think (laughs) about this. I can't continue. Please check back later. It's going to be a while. So the idea of freezing any part of my body just to get through playing or working or whatever, no thanks. I love that this is in a contrast in contrast to us earlier. Just like if not not even injuries, just like if there's bad parking or like we're gonna (laughs) reschedule. (laughs) Which I think about sometimes because they the kings and stuff, they all decide to live in like Hermosa Beach or whatever. I constantly think about how parking would be there. I'm sorry. The one oh five is backed up. Can I try again later? Just catch me next game, guys. I can't make it. Downtown is a mess. There's uh, construction everywhere. I don't think it's going to work out. No. <laughs> That's how I feel. So, you know, props to them for battling traffic, injury, concussions. <laughs> the spectrum is so vast. They go through so much. They're much stronger than us <laughs> yeah. mortals. Although we're also apparently babies. Oh, I regularly cancel plans for parking. It's super true. <laughs> Oh, that's real. So, you know, think about our struggles (laughs) their struggles. Just think about how lucky you are. At least you have never had to freeze your foot and then face bad traffic. And then, like, jam it back. Like, get stitches, freeze your (laughs) foot, jam it back into a skate, tie it all up, (laughs) put those, like, knives back on your feet and go back out there while people are still, like, hitting it with hockey sticks. Oh, that sounds so terrible. That sounds awful. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to do it. No. I'm glad that's not my profession. Not actually. a hockey player. I feel really comfortable in my, you know, apartment right now talking about this on a podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is so wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, 
So that's what we have for this week and we will catch up with you guys next week as usual. Hopefully the Kings will have won more games and potentially be back in a playoff spot by then. We will see. That requires some other teams losing. Follow us on Twitter at thanksbud, T-H-X-B-U-D, or individually I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at aka Diane Fan. And you can email us if you want to, chirp at thanksbud.com. Um, Ticket Monster. If you want to buy King's tickets, go to our schedule page on the website, and it has all of the individual games listed. There might be some competitive prices to StubHub sometimes, worth checking out for the resale market. That is all. Take care of yourselves, friends. Be good to each other, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.